Welcome to the All Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Spencer. This is a podcast where I sit down and chat with interesting people who have had an impact on my life. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the All Access Podcast. Today we have a very special guest that I'm super excited about, the one and the only Dr. John Mullins. Well, Yay. hi. That was a very good introduction. Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate <laughs> well, thanks it. Thanks for, for having here. me. Yeah. Am I too close to the microphone? Um, I think the rule is like one and a half to two fists. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. You're Sounds good. good. All right. What so are we going to talk you about? Today? I am fantastic. Been off for almost two weeks, so I'm ready to get back at it. Yeah. What were you off for? Just uh, I just took a little extra time with the holidays and just I do this every time through the year just so I can just recuperate a little bit, spend times with friends and family and I'm ready to go at it. Finish up the year. Does your business tend to slow down this time of year or pick up? It picks up the next six weeks will be the busiest six weeks of the year on the aesthetic side. The yeah. medical side slows down a little bit and then that picks up again at the beginning of the year with corresponding with New Year's resolutions and post-holiday celebrations and such. So the next six weeks will be very busy with men and women seeking treatment for Christmas parties and family photos. Yeah. Just look, just looking good this time of year. I think this is the time of year where people really focus on that. So yeah, we'll be busy coming for the next, but it's all fun stuff because everybody's usually in a good mood. The, The staff is in a good mood. We have the offices fixed up for Christmas. It's a very good time of year. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. It's always my favorite. Is it your favorite time of year? It is. It is a very special time for me. And I've always enjoyed Christmas. I always enjoyed the holidays. I look forward to it every year. It's something that I just always enjoyed. So absolutely. I would much rather be off for Christmas than be off during the summer. Mm -hmm. I I just always would like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, okay. Before we jump into more of the business stuff, tell us a little bit about who John Mullins is and where he came from. (laughs) Uh, that's that's tough. I, well, you are you came prepared with some tough questions. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, where am I from? I'm a Kentuckian, Yay. but I've lived all over the place. I grew up in a kind of a military family. Um, kind of moved around with my young parents when they were very early. My parents got married when they were both 16 years old, so it kind of forced me to have to grow up so kind of quickly. And I think that's been the story of my life was that upbringing and the need to kind of become adult-like very soon, which has kind of transformed me into the person I am sitting in front of you today. Um, I've always been a hard worker. I've always kind of been a survivalist, so to speak. And I've always, and I don't know exactly what our topic of our conversation is going to be about today, but I've always persevered. Mm -hmm. This is one way I could describe myself. I've always been able to trudge forward, Mm -hmm. even with a lot of obstacles in front of me. I tend to do well in those circumstances. Yeah. Because of the survival instinct that you had to I think that in some respects, maybe people are born with that, but sometimes people are made that way, um, by their circumstances. And, um, it certainly has been something that's been a theme for me. I always seem to figure out a way to persevere. And I think success in life or success in various aspects of a person's life oftentimes comes down to just that willingness to, to persevere through the, um, the ups and downs and barriers and peaks and valleys that life throws in front of you. Is that something you think that could be taught? 
I think that people can learn. These are learned skills for sure. And okay. I like to I like to tell people it's um, you have to reduce your life almost to a series of checkboxes in order to to develop those skills if it's not intuitive to you. And it's intuitive to very for very few people, honestly. Some people are just born naturally like that, but most people um, they have to be taught or they have a series of life events that occur that teaches them. <laughs> they they're forced to learn those skills. But for people that still have not figured it out, I try to personally, when I'm working with patients and such, try to help them reduce their life to a series of checkboxes and thereby make their life 100% predictable and purposeful. So what do you mean by checkboxes? Can you give us a couple examples yeah. of some of those checkboxes? Yeah, some well, of those boxes? I think that <clears throat> um, sometimes people use uh, words that are subjective. Like, I, I work hard. That's... That's a subjective way of saying something, but it's certainly that would mean something different to four different people. Mm -hmm. um, nutrition. I eat very well more often than not. Well, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> I try to put those onto numerical scales so at least you can track, at least from your own perspective, where you are and objectively see how you're improving, measured by no other means other than by your own your own scale. So if a person says that they have trouble, for instance, with interpersonal relationships, I'd say on a scale of one to 10, how, how 10 being perfect, fantastic. I, I have no issue with it. One being the complete opposite. Where do you find yourself on that scale? And then we, I write that down and we actually have check sheets and worksheets that I hand to my patients. And then they do this, what I call what a, a lifestyle inventory once a week to objectively track how they're doing and what I had put together, which is this lifestyle um, pillars, which is 12 different areas of your life that kind of define who you are. Mm -hmm. It's the behaviors that we, that we do and the decisions we make every day that really defines who we are and how we're perceived by others. And so most people aren't aware or self-aware enough to understand why certain things are happening to them or the same thing seems to be recurrent or they may not be as happy as they would like or they they don't have as much money as they wish they had or they they haven't been able to physically get into the kind of shape that they would like or they can't sleep or they can't they don't feel joy they don't understand the concept of self-care and i try to make it into a format where they can see it on a piece of paper and then therefore they can work on it make it very purposeful and some for some people that lack those skills intuitively some people, a lot of people that come to me, they really have a hard time with, I mean, I see a lot of busy executive men and women. I see a lot of them, many successful people, but they, their success comes at great cost. I mean, it's rare to see somebody that comes to me that isn't successful, that doesn't have some area of their life that is also the opposite. Suffering. Of oh, very much suffering. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of times that comes down to the areas in life that they feel almost guilty about doing, which I call self-care going to get a pedicure, going to get a massage. People that oftentimes that I see that do very well in life, at least outwardly seem like they're doing very well in life. They are also struggling very much inside because they, they don't, they feel guilty about stopping, taking a break, sitting down and getting a massage. That's something that's very difficult for them to do. So I have to make them almost purposefully <clears throat> tomorrow at two o'clock, you have to go do that. And you just, you almost have to just make yourself do it. And therefore, then you become a more balanced version of yourself. I find that really interesting because I think a lot of successful people were driven to success because of things that have happened in their life. 
because of this survival mode or something that they did that series of events that happened that put them into fight or flight and and their instinct was to hey i'm gonna I'm going to make this work no matter what. And so they go into like work mode as, and it serves as a distraction to help avoid dealing with the pain and the suffering of the root cause of, of things. And so that's where these, the suffering manifest is because they're just working and the work is the relief. And I mean, I kind of experienced that, you know, I dive into my work as a way to avoid dealing with my feelings. Well, yeah. And that's something you can control. And when people go through yes. difficult times, they it's the lack of control that makes the situation so difficult because yes. life has a way of presenting itself in a way that you're not prepared for more often than not. So then people will intuitively go to something they can control. You can control how much you work. You can control how hard you work. And, and that's what people tend to do. They tend to focus on the areas of their life that they feel like they have the most control over. And that also comes at great cost mm-hmm. because some of the things that person's needs during that time, it's not always as obvious. Sometimes people need to heal. Yeah. And connection or to slow and down. They, they and... need to, they need to sleep. They need to self-soothe mm-hmm. and, um, and not self-soothing with alcohol or drugs or, mm-hmm. or, or even food for that matter. But they, they need, they need a support system, which many successful people lack because they work all the time mm-hmm. and they're alone. They have this lone wolf type of mentality. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a personality characteristic that people that come to my office share. And it's almost, <laughs> if I see 10 people in a row, man or woman, it's exactly the same personality, which is a slightly different story sitting in front of me. And I, and I, I find that great, very gratifying because I get to share in their challenges and it, and as you said something earlier today is that, um, um, it, it feels good to know that you're not the only person out there that's struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I guess it's where the whole thing of misery loves company, mm-hmm. so to speak. Well, we're all struggling. I promise you, anybody that you think isn't is. And, um, and that, that those success variables that people sometimes um, focus on, which is financial or power or prestige appearance. or appearance, mm-hmm. and you know those are those are false variables that people um, focus on, and those kind of achieve achieving those variables comes at a significant cost to most people, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in my own personal life, and I've seen that in other people that come to see me. Those those kind of variables that there are the um, the earmark for whether or not you have or have not made it in life are oftentimes very disappointing to people. So with that being said, um, do you have any regrets in the things that you have had to sacrifice that you've get like the great cost that you've had to endure for your success? Yeah, absolutely. The the business I had before (laughs) this one where I ran a very successful ER hospital medicine group that uh, we started in a second bedroom of an apartment and grew from a two man, three person group to over, over a thousand employees. Um, during the whole time I was in it, I didn't realize what it was doing to me. I just had my, my eye on the, a, a prize, so to speak of a arbitrary finish line that I had established perhaps even when I was a child, like I will never live like my parents did and struggle and have food stamps and government cheese and not be able to have money for a car or telephone or clothing for my kids. I, I kept that in the back of my head and I said, I will never allow that happen to me. So over a 20 year period of achieving what other people would call great success, I still remember the day that we sold that company and I was sitting in a, one of the restaurants in Lexington. We were waiting for the phone to ring. 
for us to um, hear that the money had transferred, that the deal had closed. Mm -hmm. And it was a significant amount of money, more money than I ever thought that I would ever have in my entire, I couldn't even fathom the amount of money that actually changed hands. But I, I will never forget the way when they got off the phone, they said the money just hit your bank account, how completely empty I felt. Right. And I went home and went to bed and there was no celebration. I had a wow. bottle of wine that, that held 37 bottles of wine that we were supposed to use for a celebration. That was 12 years ago. That bottle of wine is still sitting in my kitchen of my house. Still has not been opened. Wow. And so from that experience, I knew that I was searching for things that were the wrong things. And that's how the current job that I have now came to be. Okay. It was a passion. When I say it was a passion project, it really was a passion <laughs> project because I was, I, I was, I built it for me because I realized that firsthand that what come the, the dangers that come with, with, with establishing false finish lines that are arbitrary that you think you will be happy when, or I'll be fulfilled when I'll, and those, people say that stuff a lot. I can't wait till I get my new house. I'll be happy then. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I, was you know, just, better now though. Oh, I know way better. You, you can see it from a mile away and you're just sitting there like, well, and I watch people <laughs> living their life yep. thinking, and I know, and, and I feel, and I feel bad for them. Because I know what they're doing and I know they're struggling. They're and like still in the cloud of society, I feel like. Well, and not everybody has a has a one of those moments where they come to terms with life. Not everybody has that aha moment. And some people go their whole life not knowing why they feel the way they do or why things keep happening to them the way they do. And they just they think that life is just unfair, which it truly is. Yeah. And, no one's arguing that. <laughs> and, it, and there are peaks and valleys that you cannot predict. But how about just be happy? Yeah. You how have about, to choose to be about, happy I'll no be matter happy what. today, mm -hmm. independent of whether or not circumstances I achieve this or achieve that. And I will live my life with purpose and I will do things that help others and and share some of the wisdom that have been imparted on me through my life. And I find that much more gratifying than the way I used to save people's lives in an emergency room setting. And I've saved lots, but now I get a chance to save people's lives before they're dead mm -hmm. or near dead. And I find that much more gratifying personally. And I'm glad that I had that aha moment because then it's gained, I've gained wisdom and I've allowed myself an opportunity to try to impart that on others. So going back to, you said you're from Kentucky. Yes. What part of Kentucky are you from exactly? Or where, where were you born? Or I was you born grow? when my father was in the Air Force at Fort Knox. Okay. So I was kind of a military baby. And then we moved around several places and then ultimately moved to Missouri and then moved to South Dakota, where I lived until I was in high school and then moved back to London, Kentucky, which is just south of here. Uh -huh. And that's where I kind of lived until I graduated high school and came up to Lexington to start, start college. So at what point, like, did you have a dream when you were a kid other than not being like your parents? <laughs> like that, I know that was like a driver for you, but like when you were little, were you just like, did you know that you wanted to be a doctor or did I you? I did. Okay. I, I, I probably knew that I was interested in healthcare by the sixth grade. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Was there something that happened career day or like, how did you know? I think it came down to a couple of things. One, I was always very interested in science. I always was just fascinated by how things worked and how small we are and how little we really know about how things operate. And then I also always felt like doctors were held in high regard. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that would be really cool. Maybe So just, you looked up to doctors. I, and, and I you, did. Yeah. I thought that was a very prestige. It seemed to me 
like something that you would be held in high regard by others to have the opportunity to help people. And so that was something that was very appealing to me. I thought it was something that would make me feel like I had a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. But it always helps to kind of know where you're going. And I'm so I'm glad that I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Because oh, yeah. a lot of people don't know, really know. And they maybe they try to figure out where ding, they're ding, going ding. and they end up going in this direction. And, you know, and did that happen to you? Me. Yeah. So I was always so envious of my sister who knew from high school she was in, um, what do you call it? HOSA, mm-hmm. health something for health people, healthcare people and healthcare workers. And I just knew I didn't want to, all I knew is I didn't want to do what she was doing because she had to wear scrubs every day. She had to go to like the nursing home. And I love going to talk at the nursing home, but not like clean up and lift people and like do all that kind of work. I'm a talker and we were the opposite. So I was so jealous. She knew she wanted to be a nurse uh, anesthetist mm-hmm. and she had met a doctor who had talked to her about it. And that's what she does now. Yeah. And she literally just decided and did it. And I could have done the same thing, but I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Well, you should never push that when you don't know what to do. Don't, don't just do something. Well, okay. I tell you, I didn't, I did want to kind of do like hair and makeup and mom and dad were like, no, you're going to a four year degree and you're going to college because we didn't. And I was like, okay, fine. And I wanted to make them happy because I'm a people pleaser. So I was like, I'll just go get my business degree. I started pre-med because I was lost Mm -hmm. and then quickly realized I could have done pre-med, but I liked the business people. And so I switched over to um, College of Business Marketing and Business Management. And you're good at that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Which was open. It it had possibilities for Mm -hmm. me. But that was always challenging. I was always envious of people who knew, especially who knew, like, from a young age. That's very young. Well, middle school or sixth grade. I've had to give these kind of talks before on, you know, what my – I had – uh, a podcast I was on about how do people become successful, at least from my perspective, it always helps if you know where you're going. It always yeah. helps when you can see the final image in your brain and you're working towards something that is crystal clear to you. And when yeah. you don't have a crystal clear idea of something out from the distance, it's very muddled, very muddied. And you end up, um, people end up meandering a little bit and they're just not laser focused on where they're going. And so I've always tried to explain to people, you have to imagine the destination first and it has to be so crystal clear that you can see it down to its most smallest points. And then don't start until you, it's a crystal clear image in your head and then work backwards. Well, that's really difficult for someone like you couldn't give advice to someone like me who didn't know until I was you know, like, so I always said, it's going to happen. I just, I have to start trusting the universe or God or whatever it is you believe in mm-hmm. and just knowing. And, and, but also the important thing is to, to try things, you know, like you can't just sit there like a knot on a log and just hope that it's going to show up at your doorstep. You mm-hmm. have to be proactive. So that would be my advice to someone who was like me and not knowing what they wanted, not having a direction, but knowing that like, I'm a pretty talented person and I'm, and I'm pretty smart, but like, I just didn't know how to use it. And I didn't know where I was valuable. Right. And I didn't know how to give back. And all I knew is I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people so much. I love helping people. I get so much more from giving. And I think we all hear that, you know, um, and it's true. 
Like the more I give, the happier, more fulfilled I feel. So just keep trying new things. I would think I was like a zipline tour guide, which was really fun. I loved that. And then I got to talk all day. I got to be outside all day. I love being outside. I sold insurance. That was my first job outside of college. And that was horrible because I ended up spending more money than I ever made mm-hmm. <laughs> for my license and stuff. Right. That didn't really work out. And then I just traveled the world for a little bit. And then I got in these relationships. And, and, and through one of my relationships, I actually found real estate. So had I not gone through this terrible, crazy relationship that almost destroyed me, the bright, shiny, silver lining was real estate Sure, that came out of it. Yeah. You know, so just don't give up. Keep trying new things. And for those of us who don't know what we want to do when we're in sixth grade. Right. Well, I, I love that. Well, it's it's everybody has a unique story. We talk about this all the yeah. time. People love hearing people's stories. I, and I get the luxury of talking to people all day long that tell me their stories. And, and most of what I do is listening to other folks tell me about their past. And um, mm-hmm. everybody has their own unique take on how they came to be where they are in life. It's very interesting to hear those things. And everybody's different. But you do have to be able to seize the opportunity when it comes and you Mm -hmm. have to be able to persevere through the ups and downs that are most likely going to happen because life is hard and things are not easy. You have to hang in there when it's not going your way And uh, for periods. We talk a lot about, does a person have to be smart to be successful? I I say not really. (laughs) I've seen it firsthand. I think it helps a little. In some aspects or depending on what you want to do. I mean, clearly you have to be, you're super smart, by the way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Honestly, I don't think I'm very smart. I don't smart. know. I feel like you're super intelligent. Well, it's probably just because I say words that people don't know <laughs> what they mean because you can do that in medicine. But no, what, what I am good, I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't ever stop. I, I'm not going to stop just because something got in my way. I may gripe about it, but very shortly thereafter, I'm gonna come up with a strategy to overcome it. And I've always been that way. And most people that come to see me that have successful businesses understand exactly what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You just have to have dogged persistence and be able to be willing to do what other people simply are not. Mm -hmm. And that's really what defines most people that have achieved some level of success in some area of their life. They just were able to focus hard enough and persevere through the ups and downs. And, um, and that's how they came to be where they are. And I, and I always admire people that have overcome their circumstances because again, life is hard. It's not easy. Well, you certainly have a lot of respect and regard here in central Kentucky and and with what you've built, you have how many offices now? Locations? We have four offices in a gym and then we're getting ready to open another office in Louisville. So we'll have, we'll soon have five of them, but the only reason is because there's no shortage of people that need what we do. There's people that are all people are struggling and I love taking care of people that are having difficulty in their life. And I find it extremely gratifying to be able to help those folks. And I, and I take what I do very, very seriously and I think we could open a million offices because there's people all over the world that need somebody they can talk to. And that's what we do. Well, I want to ask you a difficult question. And I want to know, what are you insecure about? What am I insecure about? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you give me some thought to these kind of these questions you asked today. <laughs> I have a little bit of experience now. You're episode number three. So <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when I was younger, I was insecure about the fact that I, I felt awkward not having what other people had in mm. their life. You know, it was weird growing up and not have a phone, mm-hmm. not having a car, 
not having money when you go on a sports trip to be able, when they stopped at McDonald's after the football mm-hmm. game to buy a hamburger because you just didn't I have any I can relate money. to that. And that was, I remember way. feeling really insecure knowing I just didn't have money and I was trying to make sure people didn't mm. find me out. Mm-hmm. So, so I, how did you overcome that then? Would you? I just mowed, I, I had to make my own money. I mm-hmm. mowed grass and shoveled snow and delivered flowers and did whatever I had to wow. do because I, I did, otherwise I wouldn't have had anything. You wouldn't so, have had the money to eat no. on the trip with the, absolutely. so not. you had no. to do all that for yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as what I would, what I would say now is an insecurity. Um, do you I, care I what others that, think about you? In some ways I do not like I used to, mm-hmm. I used to, I would say that I kind of had an epiphany around the time when I sold that company mm-hmm. 10 or 11 years ago, I used to think that a person's worth was measured by the number of people that were around them mm-hmm. and the, the, the quote popularity that they um, have. But I, I absolutely do not think that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that having really good close people, but very few of them, is is more than most people need and um, to have more is just having more and so one of the ways i i kind of cleaned up my own life was just i eliminated anything in my life that didn't offer value to me yes because it was implied that i was going to be offering value to them because i know i'm a giver so if and it was <laughs> just careful it was a simple litmus test if they did not have some quality that added to my own life i just didn't need them in my life. What I say is if it's not serving me, whether mm-hmm. that's people, places, things, mm-hmm. activities, like if you ask me to do something, is that going to serve me or no? That's kind of how I filter through. Well, I think that's a good way now. of looking at life because sometimes mm-hmm. people su- buy things they don't need and do things that they don't need just because for insecurity some, reasons. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a way of self-soothing. Mm-hmm. And I guess I've just come to realize who I am to such a degree that I no longer feel the the need to to prove anything to anyone or to surround myself just for the purposes of popularity. So it's, it's very enlightening and, and feels like a weight of the world is off my shoulders because of that. But as far as like, if what a secure insecurity I would have right now, sometimes it makes me uncomfortable thinking that I have achieved some degree of success in life measured by, at least by other people's standards when it comes to like monetary things. Mm-hmm. In my heart, I'm still the same person I was when I had nothing, mm-hmm. and I, it makes me feel very uncomfortable to be in being in front of folks that think that perhaps I have more than they do, and that makes me feel very uncomfortable because I don't. I'm almost embarrassed that I do because I don't feel like I'm better than them. And you don't fact, want to make anyone else feel. I still feel the same way I did when I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I just happened to feel fortunate to have achieved some things, but I know I would never want to my success in life to come at the expense of someone else mm-hmm. and, and the way that they would view their own life in comparison, mm-hmm. the whole Facebook thing. Like when people look at snapshots of a person on Facebook and they, they, they assume their life is somehow lacking. Well, you can tell, you can just feel when people are around you and, and they feel you're actually feeling their insecurity. And you're taking their feelings on, oh, I, I feel like, right? Well, Maybe because you're super a, empathetic. A, yeah, because I'm an empath mm-hmm. and it's a and it's an exhausting <laughs> yes. thing. And I have a lot I have I have a wide long bandwidth, but every now and then you can ask people that really know me, like Ashley and so there is a time where my my tank gets full because I do suck people's energy and I 
it's, it's just part of the way, how I treat patients and I take a lot on my shoulders mm-hmm. and it, and it does come at cost, mm-hmm. but then I usually take a time away from work and I'm allowed to decompress. And then, then I, my tank is empty again mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go again. Mm-hmm. But, um, empaths have a, have a way at, at times if they, before they know who they are of, Surrounding themselves with people that take advantage mm-hmm. of that, yeah. which is the whole narcissist mm-hmm. codependent relationship. Narcissists love a good codependent, mm-hmm. you know. They have, well, they, they feed off they have each endless other. supply yeah. for the narcissist, and then the the codependent feels like they can absorb all of their d- dysfunction and, help them and, and fix them, them and do all. That. So it's a, it's a narcissist dream. It's a codependent's nightmare, but they always find each other. Yes. And it's weird it's how funny. that always seems to work. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. Well, two narcissists would just kill each other. You know, they would, you know, and could, they wouldn't be attracted to each other. No, no. So it's just the dynamic of, I always say God has a funny sense of humor. It's just the dynamic of two unique personality types that find one another in their own dysfunctional way. It somehow works until it doesn't. Well, and and so with narcissists, they say that they truly do not know that they're doing. I don't think that. that's true. I think narcissists absolutely know. Some people, some narcissists just don't care. I can't comprehend them know. not knowing. I can't comprehend them being mm. like well, so unaware that they're actually lying or gaslighting. It's well, like you know you're lying, right? They they know. They just okay. they just they just don't care. Now there are some narcissists that and I, I do a lot so of this. Blatant. They they actually want to change. And oh, there are wow, narcissists really? that, that have someone. the ability to change. It comes at great effort on their part, but it's too painful for a narcissist to change, which is why they typically do not do it because they um, it is their survival mode. And so that is just their way by which they survive is coming at the cost of other people. I would love to meet a recovered narcissist. So when you come across one, there's that a guy that has a podcast. You please. should look him up. Okay. I watch his stuff. Info. It's really interesting. He says, hi, wow. I'm, a, I'm a recovering narcissist and I'm going to give you some, ad- he gives very good advice about how I'm to interested. In- it's very interesting fellow. Okay. And I, and he's and he has insight to who he is uh, as opposed to a, a psychopath who doesn't, just doesn't care. Yeah. They, they lack feelings whatsoever. Those are those. Sometimes words get kind of intertwined. But narcissists are fully aware what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they because they're the only person that matters to them. Well, it's a survival mode again. They they're also very insecure people. Yes, but those narcissistic tendencies tend to make them at least. Um, feel buffered from those insecurities during the period of time that they're sucking the energy out of someone else. Oh God, I could talk about this for 12 hours. Well, anybody, people, well, if you haven't <laughs> if you've ever lived through it, if you've, if you've gone through one it. and in people that have never had one, don't know what you're talking about. No. Cause I used to be that person. I didn't know what Same. people were talking about when they said, do you remember the first time someone asked you like, so it was approached to me by several different doctors and therapists that were surrounding me in 2017. First time I ever heard, they said, "Do you have you ever heard of the narcissist empath relationship?" And I was like, "What's that?" And I had to Google it, and it literally had a cycle of abuse that was my life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, "How yeah. do they know?" I said, "I guess it's obvious because of what I'm talking about, my day to day stuff." And so that's how I learned about yeah. it. Well, unfortunately, most people don't come to terms with that stuff till after the fact, or they're firmly in the middle of it because um, yeah. that's when they start doing research to say, what in the heck is wrong with me? Because a, a narcissist will make you feel crazy, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The gaslighting, and all, you, you will feel crazy. Completely worthless too. Um, like, and you start looking for the reason to why you feel the way you do. And then you suddenly you, you read an article and wait, wait a second. That sounds like my. That sounds a lot like sounds what's like happening. Sounds like last week. <laughs> and unfortunately it has, you have to feel, experience it to understand it. 
And I don't wish it on anybody. I no. hope nobody has to go through that because it is traumatizing. Yeah, it's life changing it for is sure. Life-changing. And it's hard to build yourself back from it, but I feel like it can be done. I've done it. You've had it? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've had to rebuild my life and myself and it's, I'm, I'm grateful for it now, but it was the most difficult thing that I've ever been through and don't wish it on any, I don't wish it on. I have friends who have parents. It's not always like a husband and wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. It can also be parent child, Mm -hmm. which is really alarming and scary for me. I feel for my, I have a friend whose mom was a narcissist, so she can relate to my experience with one, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, again, I don't wish it on anyone, but um, no one can truly relate unless it's happened to them. They just they just can't because it doesn't sound normal to put up with that type of abuse. Like, why would you put up with that? No. Yeah. Well, I don't. It's a great question. I don't know how it happens. Yeah, and it really happens over a period of time, and it doesn't just happen one day. It's a whole course of actions that were taken. The part the narcissist knew well in advance what was going on and they could see that you were easily manipulated and that you were in a vulnerable spot by Uh some way. And that's how they wiggle their way in. And then they love bomb you and give you all kinds of things that make you happy, that make you feel like that person loves you because they can tell you're vulnerable and you need the love and you want the love. And then they use that against you and then they resent you for it. And then you feel bad about it because this person got you a gift and you're like, but you got the gift for me. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. It's funny when you leave, when you leave a narcissistic relationship, um, a normal, a normal relationship almost feels painfully boring. Yes. Because the trauma bonds, because you've gotten so accustomed to being chemically on guard that it's weird to feel what it feels like to be with somebody that's quote normal Mm -hmm. because it it feels bland, Mm -hmm. which is actually the way it should feel. Mm -hmm. A good relationship should feel good every all the time, and Mm -hmm. with rare exception. And that's that's what I think the hallmark of a good relationship. It just feels feels easy, steady, calm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Supportive, yeah. loving, and if you have like normal. Interpersonal <laughs> relationships with people that, that have those, those kind of ways affecting you. You need to cut those out as quick as possible and, and don't apologize for it. You yeah. just, you just, they, you're looking out for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what earliest in this podcast, we were talking about making your life purposeful. That has to be a checkbox and it has to be a purposeful act to cut people out of your life that aren't adding to it. And, and it's the litmus test is fairly straightforward, but you actually have to take the time and sit down and, and, and have that quick conversation with yourself and check off the boxes and mm-hmm. eliminate the things, people, places, things that aren't offering value. And then you condense your life into a tighter box. And that's where you find real, real, Man, joy. real happiness, real success, true joy can come when you start implementing boundaries and self-care and putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. So that's. And realizing that happiness isn't over there and it's it's not by achieving this or getting to that milestone. Happiness is something that you have to work on and and every day should be happy. Well, our whole purpose of being here, I feel like, is to get to know ourselves. And, and well, like part of the challenge I enjoy waking up every day is figuring out this human experience and getting to know myself so that I can share that with others and and help them to get to know themselves. Because once you do that, like n- like none of the outside stuff matters. It's all about the internal stuff, the internal dialogue, the internal feelings. You're reacting or not reacting to to anything outside of yourself. 
because all we ever have truly is ourselves and our experience here. We can't control someone else's experience. We can add to it or we could take from it and people can add to our experience or take from our experience. But truly all we really have is our experience here. Yeah, man, I, I even have the tendency at times, even though I've come to be in somewhat enlightened, is to allow sometimes people's own moods to affect my mm-hmm. own. And and I and it's happened to me recently, and and it's uh, mm. it's something that um, you, you never really know what person's going through that you're talking to at the drive-through at Starbucks or at the gas station or on a, on the road when they're honking their horn at you, and it's it's good to just offer grace to most Mm -hmm. people most of the time because they're most likely struggling. Yep. And don't take anything so personally that it's about you because it has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to sometimes take somebody's actions as somehow it's a reflection on yourself. And, um, and that's not the right way to go about it. I think. Like even in personal relationships, if someone is mad at you or in a business relationship or a transaction, if someone's going off on you and they're mad at you, it's usually just a problem that they have with themselves. But being able to acknowledge that, decipher that, remove yourself from it and accept it. And then then you don't react Mm -hmm. because I used to be very reactionary when you first met me. Like I would come into your office. I think you described me one time as very brittle because I would just like break. I was like, I was just under so much and going through so much that I just couldn't keep it together ever at any point because I was going through so much. And now I'm like the complete opposite of that. Like you could literally take everything away from me and I'd be like, okay, what's next? (laughs) I'm just going to do it again. You you have come a long ways. I will say that. So now you have mental resilience, which is the opposite of brittle. You bend, but you don't break. And when you're breaking every day, that's painful, mm-hmm. but just like a, be a twig in the wind. You just, yeah. you just kind of Go with blow the with the flow, but every day is different. And uh, that's the key to life is having resilience to realize that, um, not every day will be perfect. Most situations will be imperfect. Most people are imperfect. We are all imperfect. And uh, including us and that, um, that just kind of stick with the rules of keeping people that are negative out of your life the best you can. Be happy for what you have. Be grateful. Show grace to people that are struggling because mm-hmm. they all are. Mm-hmm. And uh, to live your life with a purpose. And that's what I try to do. Kyle's taking a selfie for Instagram. We got a yeah. promo. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's, um, I met you actually, I know you through your medical practice. Mm-hmm. I was actually just moved to Richmond and I was wanting to try something cool and fancy, which Kentucky I did not think had yet. So I was looking for a vitamin IV. Which now is like pretty common and mm-hmm. pretty regular, but this was in 2018. So I Googled it, called up Dr. Mullins's office and they got me in that day. And I've been a patient of his, whether it was for um, healthcare or spa services. So tell us a little bit about what you do and this uh, brand that you've built and like what you offer. Okay. Yeah, I think it's actually been a little bit longer than 2018, honestly. Yeah, it's I think you've been, been a, a patient longer than long that. Long time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my my practice, again, was a passion project. Um, after I sold the other co- company or medical practice I had, I, I took a sabbatical and didn't really know what I was going to do. I was just going to wait till something kind of kind of hit me. And because you could have just retired, uh, well, I understand, right? You, I could, I could have, were successful enough, and I could have retired. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly could have been the rest of my life playing golf and doing things like that. But my, my brain just not wired that way. (laughs) And I tried it for a stretch, but 
uh, one things that one of the reasons I came to open the office is I made it one of the things on my bucket list the year I was off is I made an appointment because I hadn't been to the doctor because guys don't go to the doctor. No, they but, all, yeah. particularly guys that are pretty healthy. They don't, they just, they, they would rather do anything than go to the doctor. So, but I made an appointment to go to the doctor and ended up sitting in this doctor who I knew personally. And I sat in his lobby for three hours and I'll, I just remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember the whole time I was thinking, uh, the only thing I'm here for is to talk to this guy who I know about something to help me with my sleep because my sleep pattern had been disrupted after 20 years of being an ER doctor. Mm -hmm. And this is so inconvenient that if mm -hmm. I had anything else to do today, I certainly wouldn't be sitting in this chair. And I bet guys don't doc, guys like myself just would not go to the doctor for something as trivial as sleep, which I know sleep now is not trivial. Mm -hmm. It's the top of the lifestyle pyramid. Mm -hmm. And without it, everything else kind of falls apart. But I end up leaving that appointment. I'm not even certain if he ever even gave me anything. I don't remember the, <laughs> the end result of the appointment, but I remember leaving thinking, I wonder how many other things men deprive themselves or, um, don't, don't seek treatment for because it's too inconvenient. Mm -hmm. And from that experience, I spent about a year kind of brainstorming. If I could build the perfect practice for me, what would it look like? Nice. And I spent a year. And when I said earlier about trying to imagine the end product first, I didn't spend $1 until I could see the end product in my brain. I traveled all around the country, looked at different models, looked at different clinics. I really didn't know exactly what it was the end result was going to look like until I figured it out. And I decided to build this, this type of medical practice as a futuristic model for the way healthcare should be delivered. And so from that premise, I built out services that I thought were pertinent to people like me delivered in the, in the, in a very efficient, or at least in a manner that I considered to be efficient and in a way that didn't seem sterile and didn't seem, um, like it was just a bunch of, like you were a number with nurse Cratchit with the sliding glass window and the, the clipboard, which is the office that I went to had one of those. This is not funny. This is the way it is. Yeah. S sign here and have a seat. And I just said, Traditional. I'm going to, and I'm going to make things way that a guy. And again, when I first opened, it, I thought it would all be men. I, I thought it was going to be a male, male predominant practice, but it hasn't borne out that way. It's, it's 50, 50 and 90% of my patients are couples. Mm -hmm. And so it's a concierge model, which the word concierge has been around for a while. And that just means a, a doctor has a smaller group of patients that pay primarily cash to have improved access to their, to their doctor. But I wasn't happy with the way conventional healthcare was being delivered at all. So I, I came up with or coined the phrase lifestyle medicine, which was I want to I want to address all the things that are not being addressed for healthy people that want to remain healthy and live great age gracefully and to live an optimal life because healthcare in the United States and elsewhere is reactionary. And its pr predominant um, goal is just wait till a person gets sick give them medicine, do a bunch of tests, refer them to a bunch of doctors, and then you're just kind of into the system as a chronic management patient. Mm -hmm. And I thought that there it's was terrible. a subset of people that would want something different mm -hmm. to av the avoidance of disease and the optimization of their life delivered in a five-star way. I think my favorite term for it is biohacking. Yeah. You know, we're mm -hmm. just trying to be like the best version of ourselves. And, it, and that term means different things to different people, which is why I try not to like package up what that means for other people. But we do aesthetics because I think the, the way a person views themselves is important to their overall self-esteem. 
I'm not a big advocate of necessarily of people doing this, that, or another, but I certainly don't discourage people that want to do something that would add something to their life that perhaps they feel like is is missing, or they're doing it strictly for self-care. Like or it brings them joy they, in they some get joy way. Like out who of are it? you to judge? Absolutely. Or who am I to judge whether or not you should get Botox or filler? Like doesn't affect my face and my body. Like you do what you want to do. If it makes you feel good and you like it, do it. And you offer a place for that. And as long if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's yeah. let's do it in a way that we feel like we can sleep at night. That we're delivering sound medical care in a way that isn't always delivered. I think the medical spa industry is is um, is certainly not standardized, and there's a lot of things that happen in it that I'm not super proud of. I think some of the ways that patients are treated in some of those facilities is, cer- is certainly not to call them medical spas is certainly a misnomer. There's not any medicine happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that, in fact, they're they're doing a disservice in a lot of cases by calling themselves medical spas. Do you think that is because you have to be somewhat licensed and regulated to do the services that you like? You couldn't just walk in like a hair salon and they are even licensed or whatnot. But like there's another level to be in. Like, I think a nurse practitioner, an esthetician. I think even, to, I think even in those inject. instances, they've lost track of what they do. The first rule of medicine is do no harm. Mm-hmm. The first rule of medicine is do no harm. And I don't think that sometimes people that are in the aesthetic industry, I think they they lose track of that. Mm. People can walk yeah. in with abnormal vital signs. They can walk in with weird drug allergies. They can You can cause harm mm-hmm. by every one of the procedures that we do. People oftentimes don't know what they're consenting to because they just stick a piece of paper in front of yeah. patients. And a person who just cares about getting some Botox doesn't even read it. Mm-mm. They just kind of push their John Henry on there. And I think it's wrong. And I think that people should should receive these type of procedures with eyes wide open and know that there are risks. There's certainly benefits, but there's also certainly risks associated with anything that we do. And that um, it, we need to first and foremost approach these people as what they are. They're a truly a patient first that we're going to be administering an aesthetic procedure on. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're not always treated that way. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that it should. And I think it's something that um, uh, I talk about in our clinics all the time is they're first and foremost, they're patients. They just happen to be receiving an aesthetic treatment today. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, we have to be mindful that they could walk in at any time with a disease that need, has been has been neglected, missed, overlooked. And we have to be mindful of that mm-hmm. and catch those kind of things. So. I think medicine has so many areas. It, it, I don't know if you would consider me an entrepreneur, but if you a person was going to yeah. be an entrepreneur, pick healthcare. There's just so much wrong with it. <laughs> just pick a lot something. of problems to solve because that's what, what I hear you saying is yeah. that there was a problem that you had going to the doctor as a male or even a person in general, and it, it needed to be solved. Well, and you I think a lot of people that it. are quote entrepreneurs see something that is clearly broken. And then they go like, that doesn't make any sense. I want to come up with a a fix it for that. Well, that's so funny. That was one of my questions is what advice, because I do look up to you as an entrepreneur. Um, I obviously admire you for all your medical practices and your expertise in that field, but more so I see you as a very, very successful entrepreneur because you can go to med school and be a doctor and treat patients. Most doctors, that's what they do. They don't try to build something worth millions and then sell it off as a business, that's a business move. That was not a medical move. That was a business move. And that's amazing. And super proud of you and proud to know you for having done if, something like I that here. But I think if you asked most of those doctors, they would realize, yeah, medicine is screwed up. And and I don't fault them for strict, sticking strictly with what they're doing. Maybe they feel powerless yeah. to correct it. But I think anybody who's, exhausted. who's considering being a, an entrepreneur 
is to stick to the things that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. There's just too many things to be passionate about to pick something that you're just not. I know I have a good friend. I call it throwing darts. He has his hands in 15 different things, not, not one of which he actually has any passion for whatsoever. And then he's always shocked that none of them work out. And um, if you're passionate about something, you will get up early. You will stay up late. Yes. You will do more than what your com your competition will. And if not, you're kind of indifferent to it. I certainly could not give everything I have to something that I did not believe in. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. But maybe some people are able to do that. But when I played sports, I gave it everything I had. Why? Because I wanted to win. And, um, I think that you should stick to the things that you love or the things that you feel like need fixed for the betterment of mankind. And then it makes it kind of easy. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work. It does not feel like work. It does not feel, I mean, there's work involved and there's certainly days where you're like, I don't really feel like doing this today. But overall, when you're doing something you're passionate about, in my experience, it doesn't feel like work. I get to go to work and wake up excited, loving yeah. my conversations with people, my time with people. And I'm grateful for well, that. And that's good. And then that's you, where then I've you been found successful. Your, then you yeah. found your way. Yeah. I didn't become successful until I had that feeling mm -hmm. behind me, what I was doing. Well, I think Ashley, you've done you've done good things, and if you if you've been fortunate to find something that you have that feeling, feeling. Yes. And some people never find that feeling or that sense of purpose, and and I think they um, they struggle. Mm -hmm. And um, but don't give up hope. I think it could happen tomorrow. You made it run into something. You realize, man, I can fix that. Mm -hmm. Fix it. Change the world. Yeah. And I think if you're setting out with the right intention that you're just here doing the best you can, trying to be the best version of yourself, then things do happen in life and having that faith and not losing the hope and just getting up every day and just putting yourself there. You because you never know what's going to come through the door, what's going to happen mm -hmm. and, and well, I think, come along. Your I path. think some other mistakes people make sometimes is leading with the, uh, the understanding about money. Like yeah. their goal is to see how much they can make. And that is a really, I, and you know, in some ways that was kind of my initial goal. Cause I just didn't want to be poor, Right. but it's a lot easier to build, to, to approach a project with quality. And then money tends to follow when you do things the right way. It doesn't always happen that way, but more often than not, but if you lead with money, you will certainly cut corners where you shouldn't and make mistakes where you shouldn't. People can feel that. People can tell Absolutely. Like if you're working I, I, with I certainly public. can. Yep. I can tell when people are doing more than what's expected. And I can certainly tell when people are doing less than what's expected. And I think most people can. And people will give grace to somebody that's trying as hard as they possibly can. They, they'll give you a pass if things don't go perfectly. Mm -hmm. Less so when they know that you're, you're, more, you're more than capable of doing better. You've just chosen not to. Well, um, so one last question about your medical practice. I'm super holistic person. And that's why we always do these health shots at oh, the yeah, end, which yeah. we're going to do. We're going to have ginger and ginger turmeric. Just shake it up really good. Okay. I'm looking it's forward to this. settled at the bottom. So would you be open to, we were talking about acupuncture earlier and like cupping or like more holistic or even like, um, like what Josh Bowen does, like talk therapy kind of coaching like that kind of like are you open to having things like that as part of it or expanding in that way or are you just more expanding like physical locations and keeping like what you have is what you have well we have a health coach program so it was always in the original model now we've got two health coaches and a lot of what i do i mean if i talk to a person for an hour i would say 80 percent of it is just talking and yeah and it's usually just talking about bullshit but most every person finds benefit from just having casual conversation yes, where they don't so feel helpful. like they're being judged. 
and they feel like the person is actually listening to them. And people pay money to people to sit and just have those kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. And men, and I use, I'm a man, I understand how the ways of a brain, men don't do that enough. Women tend to surround themselves more often with, with other, other girls women. that like to yeah. talk. Men, as a general rule, not, not to be stereotypical, but they, they're not as open to that concept. So if I can get a guy sitting across from me and we talk for 30 minutes, I know that guy's going to have a better day. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason, other than we were just talking about stuff and it, it's therapeutic and everybody needs a coach. So surround yes. yourself with people yes. that give good advice. Don't just say what you need to hear mm -hmm. that will give you very good advice and very good counsel. And that is health coaching. Well, and I think getting, I think the thing with coaching that helped me to be so successful was helping me get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. So having someone that can hold the mirror up for you um, and provide that service to you, because it's really difficult for a friend or a family. Um, do you to have do negative self-talk? Like do you? Do you self-talk um, much? Oh, yeah. Like, Especially about like my weight and my appearance. You know, like that was the thing that got me into all the all the aesthetics and the therapy mm -hmm. and all that stuff. You know, it's like, oh, how can I get better at that? And it just it led into so many other things that I wasn't even aware of that I that I have improved upon. Yeah. So you, you know, from, by whatever means, if it were through Josh, you have very much respect or some other means you managed to to see inside your soul, to see yes. the basis and the root cause of who you are. Like and why I'm you responsible do for everything that happens to me, good and bad. Even that crazy relationship I was in. Well, that was I was responsible because for if you hadn't given in, that. he would have preyed on someone else. Yeah, and so, I allowed it. Yeah, you do, and we all you know? do. And introspection is something that's very difficult to do because it's painful. You have to admit that you're flawed by looking into your soul. But the process by which you determine and you see those flaws is how you heal. Because mm -hmm. without that, you're just throwing darts. That's how we grow, right? Yeah. I think I think it's really when a person has a life changing experience, and it's it, the life changing experience comes out of the fact that for, for whatever reason, a person was forced or otherwise to look inside themselves. Yeah. And to come to terms with who they are, and that's generally what changes a person's life for the rest of their life. And I love hearing those kind of stories yeah. too. I just posted this thing about how I ended, almost should have died this car wreck. It changed my life. Mm -hmm. You. It's unfortunate that we almost need a near-death experience for our lives to change. Well, for us stubborn people. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it, it does tend to work. And um, keep doing what you're doing. And you you're, you work with the public, so you have the opportunity to change somebody's day, life, month, year. As do you. Every day. Mm -hmm. And I think people realize they we all do. Mm -hmm. um, heck, on the way over here, I stopped at Starbucks. That person couldn't have been any nicer. And that changed my whole day. The whole my whole outlook on that day was that person just being friendly, and um, it's it's weird how that works it and how that rubs difference. off on mm -hmm. on your 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 thing, and and that's what I'm trying to create in healthcare. I want it to where people feel good about going. Not I have to go to the doctor today. I want people to say I get to go to the doctor today mm -hmm. because that's a different mindset than the way I felt when I was sitting in that guy's lobby with Nurse Cratchit sitting at the front desk. I didn't feel that way. I was pissed. And, and I did not want to be there after that. And I don't want other people, I want people to feel encouraged. I get to go to the doctor today and be a better version of myself. Yeah. And look forward to it. And like look forward to an it event. and yeah. see progress and feel like their life is going in the right direction. And I will sleep if I think I can, I'm doing that for others. And I lose sleep when I feel like we've let people down, mm -hmm. and which we do sometimes because. Well, I've had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it happens. And, uh, but even that's with, how you learn from it and improve upon. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. 
I lose more, my patient would not realize, I lose more sleep over the, the negative experiences than I do about anything because, you know, um, I want, I want nothing but good to come out of what we do. And it's not all, it doesn't always happen. And that, but keep moving forward, perseverance, determination, just, uh, life is going to put obstacles in front of you. Just keep moving forward. Well, I love seeing you grow. I love seeing your businesses succeed. We're going to do a shot now? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. What's the, what's the protocol? Um, we just cheers and then you got to take it all in one shot. You can't be a little wimp. Okay. You got to take right. it off. Sounds wait, wait, good. we got to cheers. Cheers. Okay, what are we cheers into? Well, it's your show. Um, well, to changing like, people's lives. To making, how about this? Changing people's lives and the little things matter. Sounds good. Cheers right. to that. Cheers. Very refreshing. Yes, and healthy. Thank you for having me, Ashley. You're welcome. It's good to see you. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the All Access Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in to the next episode and don't forget to follow me on social media. I'll see you next time.